Welcome, everyone. If you're uh, here just visiting this morning and I didn't get a chance to uh, find you this morning, we haven't been properly introduced. My name is Josh Root. I'm the preacher here at Ferris Church of Christ, and I'm so glad you're here. Uh, at this time, if you're wondering where everybody's going, well, half the people are going. Uh, the little ones through fifth grade, beyond that, I'm not sure. But little ones through fifth grade are welcome and encouraged to uh, join our children's church uh, to the rear of the building while you continue to worship with us. So uh, you're welcome to take advantage of that. Uh, today's service, as you heard uh, during Tony's uh, special presentation earlier, is a memorial service. And we've been touching on that and talking about that all morning. And maybe that sounds a little strange to us. And so at this point, we're going to go into further explanation for that. Biblically speaking, each and every Sunday we have worship is a memorial service. We're going to talk about that more. Maybe you're thinking, I didn't know that. We're going to talk all about remembrance this morning. Tomorrow we have Memorial Day Monday. And so often in our country anymore, it seems there are those that, that think of it as little more than an excuse to kick off the summer, right? Uh, time for activity. It's celebratory. Sometimes we absentmindedly think of it this way. We extend it to uh, Memorial Day weekend, this lump of days, and uh, sometimes we'll take an extra day off of work, get in our vehicles and travel, Maybe we bring over some friends, have family over, we, we fire up the barbecue, set up lawn chairs, uh, pop some can tops open. This is what we do, right? This is all it is. And sometimes we even utter a phrase which is totally ironic considering what lies at the roots. By that, I mean it, it kind of goes in the opposite direction. We'll say something like, Happy Memorial Day. Happy Memorial Day, which is actually kind of an offensive thing to say because there's nothing happy about memorial day is there nothing happy about this uh, rec uh celebration on the calendar for the family members of fallen soldiers across the nation memorial day is anything but happy can we even call it a celebration the roots of Memorial Day take us back to the Civil War. General John A. Logan, commander-in-chief of the Grand Army of the Republic. Been a while since we use that phrase collectively as a nation. Commander-in-chief of the Grand Army of the Republic, named May 30th, 1868, to commemorate the Union soldier graves. And his direct order was that the day was, quote, de designated for the purpose of strewing with flowers or otherwise, decorating the graves of comrades who died in defense of their country during the late rebellion. This was the declaration made. Uh, this was a day of remembrance that for many years and for many people was known as what? Do you know? Decorating day. There's a few here who remember that when it was called Decorating Day by Everyone? See a few hands. Now, the location and date of the first observance of Memorial Day in the States is greatly debated, but uh, we know that U.S. government by 1966 would proclaim Waterloo, New York as the birthplace of the Memorial Day celebration. On June 28, 1968, Congress passed the Uniform Monday Holiday Act which moved four holidays, including Memorial Day, 
to a specified Monday. This gave us a convenient three-day weekend, which we tend to like those. I'm still working on getting Sundays off, but no. But this moved Memorial Day from the already established tradition of May 30th to the last Monday in May at this point. In 2000, Congress passed the National Moment of Remembrance Act, asking Americans to stop and remember those U.S. Armed Forces uh, men and women at precisely 3 o'clock p.m. You remember when this went into effect? But there's a key word here. I've been talking about it all morning. This word, remember. The word, remember. The greatest thing we can do. Remember this is what we do when we attend a Monday Parade. We remember. When we follow the band and, and veteran service members to the cemetery service, which, by the way, we're, we're having one of these tomorrow, uh, just over 10 a.m., uh, just after 10 a.m., if you'd like to join us over here across the street, to remember. A National Memorial Day concert is held at the U.S. Capitol and broadcast on public broadcasting to remember. Not for the sake of just throwing a big block party. But this is because there are those who gave their lives for our country. Gave their lives. Why do we remember? We remember those who gave their lives because this is a cost that's too high for us to forget. Someone has said freedom isn't free, and you know what? I think American Christians should realize this better than anyone, shouldn't we? We should remember to remember better than anyone. The final meal that our Lord Jesus shared with his apostles in Jerusalem before he went to the cross involved the very idea of remembrance because it's so important that we remember. Let's turn to his words in Luke 22, verses 14 to 20. It'll be our highlighted text for this morning. How important is it to remember? Follow along with me. Verse 14, And when the hour came, he, he is Jesus. He reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this. And divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Verse 19. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant. In my blood. And that's the end of our text. We're taking a little break this morning from our uh, Daniel sermon series we've been working through to remember. All Christians, when we gather around the Lord's table, we honor the name of the one who suffered and died on the cross for our sins. Might make a note of 1 Corinthians 11 23 to 25. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 to 25. 
You know, it's interesting to note, and I've said this before, that Jesus Christ only commanded two rites or ordinances of his followers, of all Christians. The first is baptism. The second is the communion service. We come to the communion table on the first day of the week and partake of the bread and cup, Acts 20, verse 7. Not because we're hungry for bread and thirsty for grape juice. Not just for the sake of going through some meaningless religious motions, but because Jesus commands us to remember. To remember. You know, as involved as, as involved as we can be in the praise and worship, part of our weekly worship service, I could get wrapped up in that. I enjoy that a lot. As much as I love to get up here and preach the word, it's an honor and a privilege and a joy to do that weekly. But these aren't the reasons for our worship service. They're not the reasons. They're not why we're here. The church in the book of Acts kept communion persistently in this manner, Acts 2.42, and this is why we do the same. This is the reason to remember. To remember means quite a lot. So each and every worship service on Sunday morning is a memorial service. You know, some churches, some denominations may say, you know, we only need to practice communion monthly. Quarterly is fine. But every early church historian disagrees with that. This memorial we do isn't uh, when we feel like it. It's not a periodic memorial. It's not an optional one. You know, Jesus says in John 6.53, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So our spiritual life it would seem, depends partly on the memorial service that Jesus Christ himself has instituted for us. A memorial service, which I pray we never turn our backs on. I knew of a, a Church of Christ preacher at one uh, men's fellowship meeting that said, as long as I'm the preacher, you see that table right there in the center of the room? That's the center of our service. And as long as I'm the preacher here, that table will stay in the center of the room. And I kind of like that. In keeping communion fresh in our minds, we remember that Christ's blood has been shed for our spiritual freedom. And here's the thing. He didn't have to go through with it. He didn't have to do it. Well, if you do much investigating into the history of the Memorial Day holiday, uh, you'll find out that General Logan, who ordered that day of remembrance in 1868, he most likely took the idea from some earlier commemorative events in the South. If you're a history buff, you may continue to enjoy this part of the message. I found some of these details. On June 3rd, 1861, Warrington, Virginia became the first location of the first Civil War soldier's grave to be decorating, to be decorated. This is according to a Richmond newspaper in 1906. I found that interesting. In 1862, uh, a group of women from Savannah, Georgia, would decorate Confederate soldiers' graves. Another significant commemorative event of this era happened on May 1st, 1865. You don't have to take notes on this. It's just some cool stuff. May 1st, 1865, 10,000 people held a parade in Charleston, South Carolina to honor 257 dead Union soldiers. And you're thinking, why Union soldiers in South Carolina? Well, this was a parade that was organized by recently freed African-Americans. 
And the significance of this event even led some historians to believe that the modern Memorial Day began that day in Charleston. Still others have disputed this, of course, giving General John Logan and Decorating Day the credit. But regardless, there's still a, a backstory here to Memorial Day that's worth investigating. But this table as well, this communion table memorial, it has a backstory worth investigating too. Would you like to go through those details with me? You know, one could even say this entire Bible itself is a memorial. It's a memorial that leads up to Jesus and that commemorative supper in the upper room, all in remembrance of him. But let's, let's go back through the back history as well. When you get to Genesis 3.15, after the fall of man, we're told the offspring of the woman Eve would one day bruise the head of the serpent. Remember that? In Genesis 12, we understand that God is going to keep and preserve his creation, going to keep and preserve man, preserve his people, eventually called Israel, for the very purpose of one day bearing the offspring promised, the Christ child. Remember? Of course, uh, because Christ wouldn't be born for several thousand years to bruise the head of the serpent and deal with the sin problem that caused Adam's fall in this world, God chose to establish a system of blood sacrifice for the Israelites. A couple of New Testament passages that turn us back in memory to this come in Romans 8.3 and Hebrews 10. This system was commemorative. A uh, sacrifice system could, among other things, in involve this feast called the Passover, include a sacrificial lamb, Exodus 12 and 13, for the sake of being reminded yearly, a yearly reminder of the first Passover event. A lamb which was to be roasted and eaten, verse 8, the lamb's blood applied to the tops and sides of the doorways of the houses in which the Israelites were eating. And all this back history leading up to Jesus, what happened at that first event, on that very first Passover? Well, when the Lord passed through the nation at that time, if you remember, striking down all firstborn of the nation of Egypt, he would pass over the households with the blood of the lamb applied to the doorways. Without the blood of the lamb applied to the house, the firstborn of that house would be struck down. But the covering of the blood present on the houses would save those Israelites. And of course, after that first Passover event, with so many of the firstborn of Egypt being struck down, Pharaoh freed the Israelite slaves, wouldn't you? You want to talk about an event in which people would remember a sacrifice, remember what had been done, remember the shedding of blood. It must be important that we remember. The Lord directs his people to make this a commemorative event, event. Exodus 12, 24, God says to his people, continue the celebration of Passover. Continue to remember his delivering them from death, his freeing them from bondage in Egypt. God said, continue this yearly, yearly commemoration in remembrance of me. And by the time Jesus himself was in that city of Jerusalem, a couple thousand years later, and he came to that upper room with his disciples, how big had this memorial grown? How many people, how many Israelites were coming to the city to remember? Only about 20,000? Try that again, 200,000? 
I left a zero off. 200,000 people. You know how many people that is? 200,000 people were gathered in the city of Jerusalem at the time Christ came to town. That's only 50,000 people shy of the number of people that will gather in Washington, D.C. tomorrow for the nation's largest Memorial Day parade. It's quite impressive for the time. And just one day before Jesus, the Lamb of God, perfect and without blemish, is required by Exodus 5 of the Passover Lamb. One day before he was crucified, Jesus shared this meal to remember. And at that time, Jesus took it upon himself to institute the Lord's Supper, saying, do this in remembrance of me, Luke twenty-two nineteen. You might ask, are Christians today still continuing to celebrate a Passover of the angel of death each Sunday morning? You betcha. Just as the Passover lamb's blood caused the passing over each Israelite household, Christ's blood causes God's judgment to pass over God's people today. Romans 6.23, how important it is that we remember, that we remember, Never forget. You know, we do tend to make memories when we gather around a picnic table, when we gather around a, an outdoor grill or a fire, don't we? We tend to treasure those times. We enjoy those times with our loved ones. So doesn't it make sense that Christ commands us to come to his table to remember him? There's significance with being around the table of a meal. And this is kind of why I, I dislike Christians saying such things as going to worship service doesn't make you a believer. Or, I don't need to go to church, I am the church. Because yes, while being a believer makes you the church, and that's a valid statement to help us get moving in his name, here's the thing, church, Jesus the Christ has called you to the table, has called you to fellowship at this table. And so church, being here in this place, the church building, on the first day of the week is commanded. It's not optional. Jesus has invited you to his memorial weekly. You notice Christ hasn't asked us to remember, uh, to honor him in some other way. He didn't say, bring me flowers. Would have been difficult for him to do that anyway. We often commemorate the passing of others, our loved ones, military and otherwise, by uh, placing flowers on graves. This is kind of interesting. I <clears throat> looked into this a little bit. Long before we could pick up a cell phone and a charge card, this practice was already in place for those ancient Greek warriors. In this era just before Jesus, it was believed that if flowers took root on one of the graves of those warriors, if they took root and they blossomed, this meant that those ancient Greeks were sending a message from beyond the grave that they were in a better place. If no flowers blossom, too bad. Which I guess it means you had to be careful if you were tending the graves a little bit. You know, Careful where you mow today. But Jesus could have asked for some other way to be remembered. Maybe he could have asked for flowers to be brought to the temple in commemoration of him. By the time of Christ, the Romans actually held an extravagant eight-day festival during February. It was called Parentalia, or Day of the Fathers. And during this festival, roses and violets were used to decorate the ancient Roman grave sites. 
But Christ didn't say anything to his disciples about flowers or decorations at all when it came to a memorial. He didn't even mention what he wanted on his grave. And graves were customary for the ancient Israelites, just as they are for today. Uh, you might remember uh, Abraham's cave, uh, cave of Machpelah, purchased for his family in Genesis 49. We can read about Rachel's tomb set up by Jacob at her death on the border of Benjamin in 1 Samuel 10. There were the honorable kings of Judah that were given royal tombs, established for them in Jerusalem in the book of 1 Kings. But we don't hear anything about a tomb requirement for Jesus until Joseph of Arimathea in Matthew 27, 60 has one for him. Because Jesus had something else in mind besides the grave, didn't he? He had something else in mind. So on that first of the week after the crucifixion is Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Salome brought spices for the body in Mark 16. Jesus wasn't even there to receive this gesture, was he? He was gone. There's a popular bumper sticker and slogan that says that only two have ever offered to die for you, number one, the American soldier, and number two, Jesus Christ. When while both of these died for our freedom, the latter died to secure our eternal freedom. And he's no longer awaiting his resurrection, amen? Praise God. We don't come graveside to remember the eternal price paid for us. We come here. This is how we remember Jesus. The ceremony at the table of communion is the Christian's memorial until Jesus returns, says 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. This is powerful. But contrary to what some today are saying, God and country aren't meant to be kept separate, believe it or not. In fact, the state of the latter, the state of our country, is wholly dependent on the former. And this makes a difference in how we choose to remember those who have fallen on Memorial Day and after Memorial Day is over. Honoring these men and women should be a regular practice for us as well. But how do we do that? I find it interesting. Um, we've heard with our current president, Trump, uh, throughout his uh, campaign for election, that popular slogan that's been used by others, uh, make America great again. And while I don't think there's a lot of dissent among us that America is great, I'm sure we may often agree from a Christian perspective that maybe in some ways our country isn't as great as she could be, right? As great as maybe she once was, as great as those brave men and women who served and died for our freedoms since our nation's inception believed that our country could be, right? Another president, Eisenhower, once said, America is good and America is great, but when America ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. So let's think about those ideals, those values that Eisenhower and Reagan, Trump, have spoken for, believe in, and then ask ourselves, Brothers and sisters, how do we see that these brave individuals of the armed forces are honored and not dishonored in our day-to-day -day lives? Do we see that our nation can never be good without God? 
I mean, it stands to reason that we would honor our fallen not only by remembering our American freedoms, not only by remembering their sacrifices for those freedoms, but also by remembering our Christian freedom. If we truly believe America was founded on Christian ideals, wouldn't we honor past sacrifices by remembering that many lives were given to keep America, one nation, under God? So how do we honor the right? those rights, those freedoms we've been given? How do we honor the right to vote that the fallen have fought and died to preserve? Maybe by voting. Maybe by voting for those who believe in a great God and the goodness of America, right? How do we honor those that chose to die, to give up their lives? Maybe by choosing life for those who aren't yet born, don't we? How do we honor the families of those who have fallen? By making sure we keep intact the biblical definition of a family unit. Do you see where I'm going? How do we honor those Americans who have fought and died for our constitutionally guaranteed right to worship? By exercising that right, friends. And by encouraging all of our fellow Americans to come to this table, to come to this commemoration, each Lord's Day. General John Logan said, if, if other eyes grow dull, other hands slack, and other hearts cold in the solemn trust, ours shall keep it well as long as the light and warmth of light remain to us. And if the light of the world is John eight twelve, Jesus Christ himself, if we believe this to be the case, we make sure that light doesn't get turned down over the flag we wave, Amen. Sometimes as the church, we, we like to fall into the same state or condition the world around us, cold and cynical about the state of America, about the disregard we see for the values of, of yesterday. We can make that choice. Or we can recognize that as Christians, to quote one preacher, we have an opportunity to pass on the value of those sacrifices made to future generations in hopes that we will continue to bravely defend our nation under our maker. We have an opportunity to do that, to do it publicly, to press on as we once did, make our country great in this world by remembering the one whose kingdom is not of this world at all. Friends, we not only have something worth sacrificing everything, but someone, someone. Let's remember him as we remember them, amen. The story is told of an elderly woman who was decorating graves of her fallen sons around Columbus, Mississippi in April 1863. After walking to two mounds of dirt at the corner of the cemetery to to also place flowers there. She was beckoned by some friends who were standing nearby. What are you doing, they said. Those are graves of two Union soldiers. The elderly woman came over to them and replied softly, I know that. But I also know that somewhere up north, a mother or a young wife mourns for those soldiers just as we do for ours. Friends, we'll never know all the names of every individual who sacrificed their lives on the altar of freedom. We have no way of knowing. 
But we can choose to show honor where honor is due. On this side of glory, we'll never see what's on that price tag. And for many of us, we'll never ever know what it was like in that bunker or, or in that Jeep, in that prison or on that cross. That's okay. We're not usually told the price of a gift given to us, but we're just supposed to recognize a sacrifice when we see it. To say thank you for a gift given to us and to never forget that it was made. This morning, I thank God for the over a million men and women who have died for our freedom as Americans. And I thank God for a Savior who has died for our freedom as Christians. Through both, God has truly blessed America. But it's up to us to remember what's appropriate of us each Lord's Day, each Memorial Day, and each and every day across the USA. This do in remembrance. Let's pray. Oh, Lord. God, we thank you for your grace. Lord, while we, we may not understand all that goes into that, we can look at the cross and have some sort of an idea of what was experienced for us. Lord, in our, in our nation, we see division. We see disunity. We see godlessness. Lord, we see evil. We see a lot outside of your will. And Lord, while we know we will never quite get it right in this place, in this world, Lord, we know that collectively we, we can only be as great as our service to you and one another. Lord, I, I pray that we would always remember sacrifice, the example of sacrifice that's been set before us. It began at the cross that we've seen through our nation's history. And that we remember what love truly looks like. There's always a sacrifice, Lord. We thank you this morning. We thank you in this place for your word. By which we can see what a servant truly looks like. Help us, Lord, to, to draw closer to you in a time in which it's easy for us to be on so many different bandwagons. It's, it's easy for us to hear so much bannering from so many different sides politically, different religions, even within the church, the division. Ultimately, Lord, you are the, the, the one that can unite us all. We thank you for the blood of Jesus, for the eternal freedom. And Lord, we thank you for those that have 
gone before us in this country who have made it great. Help us, Lord, to have the courage to follow in whatever direction you would have us go to serve those around us. It is in the name of Jesus I pray these things. Amen.